Welcome to Kiwi Skin Stories, where neighbors meet neighbors. Today, we're talking about the importance of understanding dyslexia. To do this, we have experts Amparo Vélez, founder of Advil Learning, and Filipa Pira, a dyslexic student. Welcome, ladies, on the show. How are you guys doing today? Thank you. Very good. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. We have icebreakers on the show. And the question is, for you, Amparo, first, is what is some, what is the most inspirational thing that somebody has told you? I think that for me personally, is a very simple thing that you get told a lot of times. And it is that like you can you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. It doesn't matter like who you are or what you think. You 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 can do it. It's very simple, but it's just that you can do it. And what about you, Felipe? Um, most inspirational thing someone has ever told me was, um, I think it's a quote by Nelson Mandela. It's not word per word, but he says that, uh, don't judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. And then it, it really taught me the importance of failure. Failure, if you didn't have the failures that you had, you would never have the success that you achieved. Wonderful. All right. So I guess the first thing to start this podcast is to understand what dyslexia is. Dyslexia is a learning disability, but I don't like to see it as a disability. Um, but it's just a different way in which uh, people learn how to read, write, and spell. And we, our brains just filter in information differently than others, but it's just a different way of processing information. Usual, like school systems not, might not be aware, but it's not a disability, so to say. I agree with Philippa completely. I, I think that dyslexia is something that you just use your brain in a different way, you know? Um, scientifically, we all have something called the reading triangle, and everybody has to be able to make those neural connections to be able to learn how to read. But it's just that dyslexic thinkers learn to make that dyslexia triangle connections in a different way. Schools right now are a lot are teaching poorly how to read, write, and do all of those things in general, but more specifically to dyslexic students. It's really hard. Um, for to find a school right now that's actually teaching literacy in the correct way. So why don't you think that schools have this support for dyslexic students? What's going on right now in a lot of schools in the United States is that there has been this train of thinking that says that we should teach kids how to read in a way that it, in paper sounds beautiful and is called balanced literacy. And it means like, a student learns by, I give you a book and I'm like, oh, I learn to love reading and find a cute corner and read this book. And it's like a four-year-old with a book and no instruction of like vowels or phonics, like very little phonics, very little reading comprehension um, and very little explicit teaching of how we learn how to read, how to master that reading triangle I was talking about before. Um, and it was a big trend 
And right now in the United States, it's a peak moment because they're realizing, oh, like this didn't work. Like 80% of our third graders are not reading above grade level or on grade level. Um, so now they're trying to question what's going on. Why? What are we doing wrong? So it's the perfect moment actually to to take the shift and teach literacy how it's supposed to be taught, which is through structured literacy based on the science of reading, um, which is the way in which dyslexics are more successful at learning how to read. But it's also the way in which most students um, can learn how to read, not only dyslexics. So it's not just the dyslexia issue, but it's also a whole issue. And then you just add on top of that huge issue the fact that dyslexics do need like accommodations or other types of support and you've got a huge huge issue in the educational field right there and uh, Philippe, as, as a student do you feel like there's been this support or accommodation says as a student in the public school um i think that there's a lot of quote-unquote accommodations like I have received the accommodations I need to be successful but there is no support because a lot of people think that support comes through accommodation but support one-on-one is not the same thing as receiving accommodation and I see that in right now in the public school system there is no support for dyslexics like me or anything and that's really crazy to think and i'm like where are all of them like they're i'm not the only one so how do like they survive if they never had these uh supports and what i find out the sad thing is that many of them end up like going homeschool or dropping out of school because they don't receive that support in time to help them stay in the education system. And that's really unfortunate. Personally, I believe that. So um, I was, I'm grateful that I did get the support. Like other schools that I've attended, not in America, I've gotten support of reading and writing, and I've gone through Barden programs and programs for dyslexics or people with learning disability. That has helped me, and I know if I didn't go through those programs, I'd not be where I am today. So I think it's really important to give the support to the people that need it. And when you're talking about accommodations and support, accommodations meaning like you need more time for the test or flexibilities like that, and then support meaning like additional things to help you understand. What do you mean by support exactly? Support is like working personally for me, like working with a program. I don't think like uh, public schools, they have a program in place for people with struggle with reading or learning disabilities um, to help them uh, get the tools they need to function in a day-to-day classroom. So that's what I think about support. And it's like, for an accommodation, it's, I need this book and an audiobook, you know, so that I can read the 50 pages for homework or 
I need extra time on the test or, you know, can the teacher share the notes with me so that I can pay attention in the class and not have to worry about writing while I'm listening. Um, but when it comes to support, like for students like Philippa and like even I feel like when you're younger, you it was like when it was so crucial for you to receive that support of just having a program that's based on structured literacy um, like Barton, there's also Wilson, and they're all based on Orton Gillingham, you know? So um, programs that focus on that. So like student can sit with someone else like me and, you know, you can receive that reading intervention. That's what we res refer to as support, like that type of thing. So Philippa, tell me about your dyslexic journey. So for me, I was diagnosed in the third grade. And at that point in the third grade, I was not reading up to third grade level. I was below first grade level. So my school made the intervention to hold me back a year. And for me, as a dyslexic student, that was just really hard because I felt like I was a failure, so to say, because I was not even being able to advance to the next level. And that's when I put in my head that I assumed that dyslexia was going to stop me from achieving anything I desired to achieve. Um, but now I know that's not the case. Um, and I'm grateful that I've changed my mindset from then. But since then, I've been able to um, repeat, uh, skip a grade, and skip two math grades. And I think that due to me having dyslexia and due to um, having it harder, so to say, not having the easy route, I had it harder. I had to work much harder than my peers to get to where I wanted to get. When I got the opportunity to skip a grade, they told me it was going to be challenging, but I didn't want it easy, so I took the opportunity, and the same thing came to when skipping a math grade, the two math grades, I took the opportunity, even if it meant putting a lot of work into it, I was dedicated to do that, and I already, I already had put so much work to get to where I got, and I was not going to stop there. So I think that having it harder and uh, uh, being dyslexic is truly what brought me to where I am today. And what do you mean by skipping? You mean you tested out, you advanced forward? Yes. And what about you, Abada? What is your dyslexic journey? For me, it was... Similar to Philippa, I was diagnosed not in third grade, but in second grade um, with dyslexia. And I was, I, I don't even know if I was in like first grade or kinder. I, I was not reading, you know, at all. Um, and for my, you know, for me, it was just, I felt like a failure. And I just didn't know why. I feel like it was it was really hard because I would I remember there was this time where the kids and their parents would sit and and they would like read a book and then they would switch like another parent would come 
and then you would read a book and then another parent would come and you would read another one. And I remember that while my peers like read with all the parents, I just stayed with the first parent that was my parent. And I was reading, I was trying to read the cover of the book. And I feel like that's like a perfect description of how I felt for many years um, when I didn't get the support needed. And then as I grew up, I I hated education. I didn't like teachers. I didn't like books. I didn't like anything. Um, but it was because I wasn't believing in myself. And as time passed, I realized that something that I was really good at was helping others because dyslexia gave me like this empathy to understand what it's like from a very small age what it is to to feel like you can't do it alone and that you need support so I was very empathetic and I went on to college and I studied social work and then in social work I realized like what's the best way that I can help others and I was like it's through education and I became um special education teacher and then I focused on dyslexia and ADHD and it has been very interesting to see how my perspective has changed throughout and how that has such a strong impact on you as a child. And I think that's one of the most important things that you have to do with a child that's dyslexic. You have to have an environment where they can feel supported because it can really shift your educational pathway, right? I want to take a break and thank Juan Bernhardt's here at 3D Tutoring for Lending Me Space. Thanks to him, we can do um, interviews in person, which is great. So moving on, uh, let's talk about parents. Parents are also part of this journey. You know, I'm sure they've struggled not understanding what's happening, especially early in, I guess, in a dyslexia discovery stage. But um, Philippa, can you tell us a little bit about your parents' journey? So for my family, uh, we didn't know what learning dis uh, disabilities were. We were not aware of it. So m my family totally understands other parents and other families that they never knew what learning disabilities were. What we commonly hear with other children, uh, other children that are diagnosed is, oh, we never knew this existed. We never knew anything about this. But you truly do learn. And with my family, my parents are my parents were super supportive in my dyslexia journey, especially my father. And he always showed me that it's such an incredible thing to be dyslexic. He worked with a lot of people with he did machine learning at his company. He worked with people that did computer science. He said I have an incredible person that works with me that is with computer science. He's the best, like one of the best in the world and he's dyslexic. And he would always tell me that like he's so proud and he always tells his like people that he works with. My daughter's dyslexic. She's super incredible. I think I was the most ashamed out of my whole family of being dyslexic. My parents were never ashamed. I was super ashamed, but like they're view of dyslexia really helped me change my view of dyslexia and see it as the positive thing it is. It really, they really did help me. What about you, Amparo? Have your parents been part of your dyslexia journey? 
So in my family, it it's a little bit different than in Filipa's family where you are the only dyslexic, right? In my family, all of us are dyslexic. My parents and my three younger brothers. But me being the oldest, I was the first person in my family to be diagnosed. Um, once my diagnosis came in, my parents were like, oh, this is like, I was like this, you know, I struggled with reading. It was, you know, mm, I failed a grade or things like that, you know. So I think that in my journey, it was really hard at first because it was some years before um, Filipa. So in that time where I was living in Costa Rica, there was not a lot of awareness of what dyslexia was. So um, they told my mother that being dyslexic was like she's not going to learn a second language she's not going to learn how to read not even like college so it was really scary for my mom um and for my dad at first but then as as time passed it's it's been really cool to see how just their view and their support um and their willing to learn what dyslexia is really changed everything my mom would research, she would go on to Google, she would buy books. I remember she had like 10 books about dyslexia and she she was just trying to learn what it was. And she, slowly she stumbled upon a book called uh, The Dyslexic Advantage and that really shifted everything for her. Um, and I've seen the support she has given me and my three younger brothers and just our view of dyslexia is very privileged because I feel like many dyslexic kids um, that I work with, it's you have to work with the parents also for them to understand what dyslexia is mm -hmm. in order for them to be successful. Because if the parent does not accept it, then the kid is going to be stuck thinking like, oh, like this sucks, right? I agree. I agree with that. I think my situation is also really privileged that my mom has your mom, uh, the same as your mom. My mom really wanted to know as much as possible about dyslexia. So she did the whole, like, what, she learned the program, everything. She studied it for, like, months so that she could, like, teach me herself uh, with the program, with BART and, and other programs, like, so we could practice at home and do those things. My mom read so many books and, like, um, she really wanted to understand and comprehend the struggles of her own child as much as, much as possible. And uh, my father, he was always so open. My father was a man, he always read books, so many books. And so I think he might not have really understood like what dyslexia is. But he was always there through my education process, always advocating for me, especially my mom too. And we had it like a growth mindset that like everything, like everything is an opportunity to learn and grow. Nothing is truly a failure. So even though my parents aren't dyslexics like yours, they were really, really supportive. If my kid is dyslexic, what resources are out there? What can I do? So the first step is diagnosis. Like you have to be diagnosed with dyslexia. But to get there, there's a 
few things that you should do before. Of course, with the teacher or whoever's working with your child, you have to be on the lookout for, you know, early signs that or like any sign that your child might be dyslexic. The signs vary between ages. Of course, they're not going to be the same if your child is in preschool as if they are in high school. Let's say for a preschooler, it's like trouble with rhyming or learning the alphabet and the names of the letters and the sounds of the letters, mispronouncing very familiar like baby talk words, you know, like papa, mama, stuff like that, not recognizing very simple words like cat. And another one is family history. Um, that one's a little bit harder. But if you yourself are dyslexic, there's a 70% chance that your child might be dyslexic. And if you and your spouse are dyslexic, it's a 100% chance that your child is dyslexic. So um, that would be for like younger kids. And as you go older, you also have to be looking at the like the emotional side. So maybe a kid that doesn't believe in themselves so much. Um, they're not really good at reading as a whole or comprehension or but sometimes dyslexia as Filippo you were saying before the show it's it's not only about reading but it can also be about spelling or so it it's very broad but what I would recommend is if you're not sure and you don't want to do a diagnosis start with a screener um, you can do a dyslexia screener you can search for a professional that does those and those are much cheaper. They're like 90 bucks, 100 bucks. And then you can see um, if your child has dyslexic traits. And then you can, okay, they have a lot of dyslexic traits. Let's do the diagnosis. So pre-podcast, you were telling me about the, that parents sometimes have trouble um, diagnosing their kids. So I think the trouble with that normally comes from the misconception of what dyslexia is and how Filippo is, you know, um, giving the description of what dyslexia is. And it, a lot of them see it as a disability. So they're afraid of labeling their child with a disability. Um, when in reality, like in, I think in my case, it was like, you know, it, it helped me. It was hard at first, but it helped me understand myself. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that would be, it just parents are scared to label their child with a disability because they don't know what dyslexia really is, you know, when in, yeah. In the public school system, in terms of like diagnosis, children in the public school system are not diagnosed as quote unquote dyslexic. They're diagnosed with a learning disability, which I think that is awful because, um, the child doesn't truly know what they have. Like, I know that I have, yes, I do have a learning disability and it is dyslexic, dyslexia, but like not many people that the school does not provide that. So many kids cannot say, oh, I'm dyslexic. They can just say I have a learning disability, which sounds terrible. Like when you're like struggling with stuff and like your friends ask you, what's the matter? You, you say, I have a learning disability. Like they think you're, have a disability in learning like you learn poorly or like you're weak doesn't mean the case like I've met so many incredible dyslexics at my school like teachers that have PhDs in chemistry and those things they they have profound ability to learn 
incredibly and their brains work so incredibly. So it's not and like I don't think it's great that they the school just labels it as a learning disability. I wish that schools could provide like specific diagnosis that kids could know what they had like so do you know why it is that um schools don't provide the label or like the diagnosis of dyslexia um so it's because of funding so schools um if they say that a student has dyslexia or another you know learning difference they have to provide all of the supports for that learning difference so they would have to have barton or wilson or something like that and they should have the teachers to be able to do that so of course having a school is super hard but having children that are not learning in the school is much harder because you're not doing your job so in most of the cases and like states in florida and others that's the case they don't say that and it's very political so right now you're saying that if I'm dyslexic in schools, I see more of the accommodations like extra time or things of that nature, but not so much of the support because it requires funding, right? Absolutely. Like you will see no support, at least in high school. But I feel like high school is also not really the crucial part in which you should intervene. I've never, I don't know the case in terms of elementary but in high school, we have no support. We only have like accommodations, which is like extra time, and my vo- uh, vo- or, like my listening, so I get everything like my audio read to me. But in terms of like as like being provided like assistance, no, like absolutely, that is like the case. And if you think about it, it's like. If there's a student that's dyslexic and hasn't been diagnosed in high school, mm-hmm. they're probably the ones that need the most help, you know, because yeah. they're probably have been struggling for years, uh-huh. have low self-esteem, don't know how to read properly, probably are like super street smart where they like they're passing the grades by like, you know, like doing other things, you know, looking for summaries of the books or like I have heard about students that come to like that same accommodations by themselves they're like go home and they'll read the book in audiobook and they have like all these this structure that they had to invent themselves Mm -hmm. to be able to get the support when in reality if they get a diagnosis Mm -hmm. they the support is there like do this do this instead of them having to look for everything that's why i i think that kids shouldn't be taught to like learn to survive in the system but learn to advocate in the system because what I see with many kids is like, especially with middle school, because in high school, like most of these kids are either doing that or they dropped out and they're like in homeschool or those things. But like in terms of middle school, you see a lot of these things. And instead of trying to like survive, like getting passing grades like D's or C's, like you should learn, these kids should be taught to advocate for the accommodations and assistance they need so that they can get their grades. Because prior to my accommodations, I failed and get only Ds. After getting my accommodations, I'm a straight A student now. And so you can see the contrast. So I don't want people to learn how just to survive, but to 
like ask for accommodations, know how to advocate for the things that they need. Not only survive, but learn, Yeah, right? Be able to learn. Yeah, 100%. So you're saying that you, the school has provided the accommodations and you have improved in your grades. Yeah, but I wouldn't be at the place I am today if I didn't have the support in my youth in when I was uh, in elementary, if I didn't have the support that I needed through the program of Barton, which was my case, I uh, went through the program of Barton. And if I didn't have that uh, support and learn how to read and like write and the phonetics of everything and the English language, I wouldn't be where I am today. And those accommodations only worked because I got the, the support I did in elementary. So when you mean the support, this is outside of school? No, the support was provided by the school. Oh, in this case, in your elementary, the, they provided you with the accommodations and the support you needed. Yeah. But the school was not in the United States. Yeah, it was a private school in Costa Rica. Okay, got it. So I guess how would the ideal... Um, space in a school look like? How can a school provide, or or better yet, a school can provide accommodation that's easy, extra time, stuff like that. They do that for all sorts of... And sometimes it's still a struggle though, but yeah. Okay. And then how do how would a school su provide support properly if they had the funding? Let's say funding was not our issue. So I think the thing is more of what I was talking earlier with how before in schools there was um, a like fixation to teach kids through the balance balanced literacy, like loving to read and hugging books and finding a cozy nook and learning to read magically. Like that's how kids were taught they were going to learn how to read. Um, but shifting back to the structure of literacy where, Yes, you can love to read, but you have to actually teach kids how to read so that they can love reading. So um, if a school has that structured literacy, I think that's a very important aspect. Um, and then the other one is just that awareness. I think that dyslexia awareness of what dyslexia really is. A lot of schools now are afraid of having dyslexic students because it might need oh you're you're gonna need so many supports and you we don't have the time for that you know like things like that or oh you can't learn a second language like like you know a second language yeah we're bilingual right we're, yeah, yeah you're trilingual yeah. yeah yeah so things like that um what would you say like as a student in terms of support I think like having those programs like they because these programs like that teach Barton or like other programs, it's an outsider that the school contracts to come in. But usually in public school, they do not have that ability to bring these outsiders in. But if they did have these people that could enroll these kids that need the support into these programs so that they learn how to read and write and spell and learn everything about the English language and, like, the phonemics of everything, that would be uh, very good and would be very helpful for many kids. So about avid learning, right, is that's what you, your business is, so you started, you, you specialize in helping kids with dyslexia, 
right? So tell me about Ave Learning. So in Ave Learning, my focus is of like having a more holistic approach in when it comes to helping a kid with dyslexia. I like to work with the families, you know, for them to actually understand what dyslexia is and to so that parents can also support their children, right? Because I'm I go and I work with the kids for like two hours a week and we do a lot of structured literacy. Like I teach them with a similar uh, method than Barton. It's called Wilson. And we do that. But I don't like to only stay on that, but I like to accompany the parents in the journey of understanding dyslexia, how they can help their kids. If they have to go to a meeting to the school, I'll go with the parents, help them learn how to advocate for their child. And then also teaching kids like just like, hey, I'm dyslexic, too. Like we can, you know, you can do this. You can learn how to read, even though like you've been struggling with this for a long time. And I think it's it's yeah it's a program or a method designed to helping kids learn how to read not only through structured literacy but also through advocacy and empowerment. It's actually A is for advocating, V is for valuing dyslexia, and E is for empowering dyslexia. So awesome. Okay, I'll put all the information in the show notes for those who are interested in reaching out to learn more about that. Sophie, I have a question for you. What would you say to kids with dyslexia? Um, I want to start off by saying that I think the dyslexic community is one of the most incredible communities I've ever met. And it is, I'm so proud today to be dyslexic. And I'm, I wish, I, I, w- I want to share this message with others that being dyslexic is not going to stop you. It's not going to impair you from doing what you wish to do. And the struggles that come with dyslexia, with working much harder and having to put a lot much, like a lot of work into your, like into your work, into your homework or your education to get to where your peers are. That strength is going to assist you in various aspects of your life, not just in education, but in your work, in your job. And with that strength, you can do a lot of incredible things. And I know an incredible teacher. He has really inspired me this year, my sophomore year of high school. And he has a PhD in chemistry, but he's super dyslexic. And he said to me that in middle school, he was diagnosed as like mentally retarded, not even like learning disability. They're like, oh, your son is mentally retarded. Like he'll never learn. uh, He'll never be able to graduate high school. And he has been able to get his PhD in chem. And he taught me that if it wasn't for his struggle with dyslexia, he would never have persisted on to get his PhD. And he says, because of my struggle, it made the journey of getting my PhD easier because I've already been through so much prior to that. So it gives you, this dyslexia gives you a really big tool to help you in other aspects in your life. And you can reach any heights. Yeah. Awesome. 
Also, man, as a closing question for you and Pablo, as a, as a keep scanner, uh, what is your favorite part of um, living in the keep? I think for me, it's definitely the beach. I think that ha being able to go to the beach in the morning um, or whenever I want to is amazing. <laughs>